Veronica, welcome to A Builder's House. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really honoured to be part of it. I was really excited once I heard that you were launching this podcast series because I think it's really interesting to know more about builders and, and the way they build their homes. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. Now, we always start the podcast uh, by finding out a little bit of your background in building and design. So can you tell me a little bit about what yourself and your husband do? Yes. So look, I haven't really been involved in the building and design industry before my husband started King Home. So it was about five, six years ago, my husband decided to take a leap of faith. So he was actually a plumber by trade and said, look, I'm going to go out on my own, have my builder's license. Let's give it a shot. And, you know, I said, well, there's no better time than now. You know, we, we weren't married. We didn't have kids, you know, minimal financial responsibilities. And we started off in a really tiny office in a Sydney suburb of Ingleburn. And um, from there we worked up and now we have over 20 employees, you know, over 200 tradies and subbies that work for us. And we build somewhat in and around of 100 homes a year. Uh, a year. So um, it's happened really quickly. And yeah, that that's our background. So once Mark started King Homes, he needed some assistance in sort of the interior design space. So helping um, clients with colours and their selections and that's where I came in and it was basically just my passion for Pinterest and Instagram and latest design trends that um, guided me. I, I'm not a professional interior designer or anything, anything like that but it's definitely a passion of mine. How exciting that we, I've spoken to so many women who are in the same sort of position, like myself included. Once you are the partner of someone who's a builder or a trader, you really get swept up in the whirlwind of it all. And this sort of thing, it just becomes part of everyday day life. So you may as well embrace it and get into the interior design sort of things because it's what you're doing anyway. Well, that's exactly right. Like I didn't have much um, to do with building, like I said, before Mark started King Homes. But when he did, you know, that's it was our dinner conversation. It was our breakfast conversation. We only would text about, you know, jobs and business and, and what's happening. And then when he was building for himself, he's like, hey, well, you're going to have to come along and choose the paint and the flooring for me. And so that's when I like, damn, I, I really need to start learning more about this. But like I said, it's, it's a passion of mine. So it sort of came really easily. That sounds all too familiar. Now, can you tell us the room we're going to chat about today as part of the Divine Room series? Yeah, I thought we'll chat about my kitchen area. It's quite a large um, area, but it's really the heart of our home. Um, so I'm really excited to, to chat about our kitchen. It is absolutely beautiful. So let's go way back to when the design process started. Um, first of all, just tell us a little bit about your block size, where you guys are located and where the kitchen came about in that design process. So we live in the Camden area, which um, is about 50 kilometres um, out of Sydney, so out from the CBD. And we chose this area because Sydney is notoriously like really expensive for house and buying land. Um, and being so far out of the city meant that we could get a bigger block uh, for a more reasonable price and our budget could go further in building, you know, what I like to call our forever for now home. So it was a very odd shaped block, but a over just over a thousand square metres. So so in the sense that it's not just a rectangle block, it's sort of some sort of weird triangle. And um, we were lucky in the sense that not many people really were looking at it because they didn't know what to do with it. But for us, we thought, wow, we've got this huge wide frontage. We've got unobstructed views behind us. 
this is our block. So that's the one we bought. And we kind of already knew what we wanted in a home, but we had the extra luxury of having a super wide frontage so we could lay out our home longer, um, but not to be, sorry, lay out our home to be wider, but not as long. So we kind of on paper ourselves, once we bought the block, drew out how we thought things would go, how we thought things would flow. Because I mean, building so many homes um, and going through them and seeing photos, we kind of already knew what would work well for us and our family, what parts of the layout and and um, would work well for us as well. And what's really important is understanding your land. So understanding where are the north facing areas, where are the west facing areas, your kitchen and your living room and all your entertaining areas sort of in the north beautiful natural light facing areas uh, which is what we did so we put the kitchen towards the back of the home uh, where we have some windows all around that area and just just in front of a void um, area as well just so we can get all that natural light in. Your kitchen area is quite light in that space which way does it face where your shears are? So our block's on an angle, so our dining, living and kitchen areas all north-facing and that's where we have the shear curtains and an unobstructed view. So um, what I mean by that is we don't have any neighbours behind us, which is why we put in shear curtains because that's enough privacy for us. We didn't need to do, um, you know, roller blinds or plantations or anything like that, uh, so we just put all the shears in the back of the home. Now, when did the kitchen come about in the design process? It came up, we basically designed all of the layout based on the kitchen because, you know, we've lived in all sorts of homes. We've lived in a tiny city apartment. We've lived in a larger apartment. We've lived in a, um, you know, an older style family home, but we've always been really lucky to have a large kitchen. So with that, over the years, we've actually gotten, you know, more appliances, more dinnerware and all of that, those things that come with having a larger kitchen um, over, the, you know, the last sort of 10 years or so. So that was number one priority is we knew we wanted a black kitchen and we knew that we wanted to be a large entertaining area. So we immediately drew that in the layout and it ended up being about seven metres wide um, and five metres long. And that's just the kitchen area without the pantry or anything like that. Now, speaking of the pantry, that's one thing that did change from the original plans during the build. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Of course. So we initially had a design where we would have a glass splashback, but not facing outside like you usually see. We wanted this glass splashback to be um, facing into a cellar. We thought it would be a really cool idea to have all the wine bottles visible and all of that um, and just to incorporate the cellar as part of our kitchen design. But I guess one of the blessings of having a builder as a husband is when we were um, doing just a site visit, the frames were up, we kind of thought, well, we've got this where the pantry is supposed to be is actually an optimal place to put a cellar because there's not much natural light. It's as you enter the house kind of down a hallway and it's always going to remain cool. And we thought of an idea of putting some steel doors around the cellar to really create um, sort of an industrial vibe and, and the way that you can look in. Um, and then, like I said, the benefit would be that the room would always remain cool because of where it's positioned in our house being right smack bang in the centre with not much light coming in. 
Um, so we decided to change it. So we just did that on site. Um, a husband and a carpenter came in over a weekend and just adjusted the frames. Um, so the glass flashback was gone. We closed that all in with cabinetry. Uh, we hid the walk-in pantry behind there with concealed um, doors to match the rest of our cabinetry and the cellar was then moved towards the front of the house and that's where we um, put in the commercial grade steel doors to give it that industrial feel. How good. And now you've got a few little hidden nooks in your kitchen. Tell me about the breakfast bar. Now, that was your husband's idea, wasn't it? It was. And I have to give him complete credit for it um, because I actually wanted that to be more storage and shelving. And living in the home now, I thought, oh, my gosh, that would have been such a waste because we really don't keep that much pantry items. Um, and I thought that those cupboards would have just been empty. So I'm really glad we did what we did. Um, and so all we had to really do is we thought about the small appliances that we use on a daily basis. And that's like, we run the kettle multiple times a day, the toaster um, and the coffee machine. They're all things that we use every single day. And we didn't want them visible in the kitchen, but we thought, oh, it might be just a little bit of a pain to have them in the pantry and you're sort of always having to walk in there. So what we did is instead of having all those pantry cupboards, um, we changed it to add in a stone bench top and we actually used a 12 mil stone so the same stone that we used in our kitchen but just thinner um, to save on some money and we added some drawers underneath um, and some open shelving above um, so that way we can store glassware above so your cups wine glasses mugs all that sort of thing and underneath in the drawers you can store your teas your coffees your vitamins um, anything like that um, and the best part is, is even if you've made a mess and you just don't want to deal with it or you don't want to look at it, we put in bifold doors, which are actually made from the same cabinetry materials, the rest of our kitchen. And those bifold doors can just shut away all the mess and you don't have to see it. So you later. guys really had family in mind when you designed this kitchen, didn't you? Yes, we definitely did. And obviously when we're building, I was pregnant with our twin girls. So I knew um, how much stuff babies accumulate. So part of, you know, hiding the mess and just not having the time to always be tidying up. I'm like, I just don't want to live in a place where I feel like, oh, I've got to wipe this up. I wipe that up. And I know closing off the doors doesn't get rid of the mess, but at least it makes you feel a little bit better and you can kind of get on with your day and know that you can just tidy that up later. But for right now, it's not very visible. And that's part of the walking pantry idea as well, is that, you know, our girls have bottles and, you know, all sorts of dinner plates and cutlery that they use and their bottle sterilizer and formula. And that takes up a lot of room, but you also want to have it really accessible because you don't want to be opening up drawers and cupboards to get all this stuff that you use multiple times a day. So our walking pantry is basically baby heaven like it's just got your sterilizer your bottles your formula and enough workspace to prepare anything that they need and look while we're on the topic of the girls I feel like on this podcast we're always spruiking how nice it is to have builders as partners but there is downsides okay sometimes your house isn't finished you guys moved in without the kitchen didn't you we did. And like people say, oh, wow, your house was done so quickly. But I'm like, yes, but we moved in before it was finished, which a lot of people don't do. And the reason for that was because we were renting while we were building. And initially we thought, look, we'll take our sweet time to build this home. We don't really care. And then we found out we had twins in the way, twins on the way. And things got a little bit more anxious about, okay, we, we want to get this house done. 
Um, and at the last final moment, um, obviously throughout the build, there have been many changes done on a whim or at the last minute or just in a site visit, we've decided to change things. Um, we decided to use a different type of stone and it was approaching Christmas time and it was the Tallow Stone Super White Engineered Stone, which is the first engineered Super White in Australia. Um, and I knew I had to have it and it wasn't going to arrive until January. The girls were due in December and the house was near about ready at the start of December. And we said, you know what, we're just going to move in and the stone can come at a later date, which it did. It was installed in February. But between December and February, um, we had no kitchen sink. We had makeshift sort of off-cut laminate pieces on our kitchen island just to give us a little bit of prep space. Um, and that's what we did. And it was fine because looking back at it now, it, it all seems like a really distant memory and I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. Now, you guys used over 17 slabs of that stone in your house the island bench, just the curved piece alone, weighed over 300 kilos. How did you get that into the house? It was really nerve-wracking. I remember it was so exciting knowing that our stone was coming in because I'm like, finally, then we're going to get a kitchen sink. We're going to have working plumbing in the kitchen. I can wash up there. It was a dream come true. And I remember on the day our stonemasons were wheeling in the piece of stone and there was five stonemasons. Um, you know, they were fairly, I guess, fit guys, but they're all trying to work out, okay, we're going to have to lift up this stone. And then not only lift it up, but lift it up and over and place it on the island. And I was just holding my breath. They knew what they were doing, obviously, but have this happen in your home. Um, but they did it and they did it really beautifully. And um, as you'll see in some of the photos, all the veins in the stone detail match perfectly. And um, we're really, really pleased with it. And yeah, like you said, we did need to use 17 slabs across our our, our home and that's majority of it was for the kitchen the splashback you know the breakfast bar the walk-in pantry but you know we did save a lot of money in other parts of our building choosing sort of cheaper finishes in order to accommodate the price of of having the stone in the areas that we wanted and now while we're on the topic of materials let's talk through the other materials that you've got in the kitchen starting from the floor and moving up through the cabinetry all the way to the kitchen sink so the flooring is where we saved a lot of money. We used a laminate flooring um, and it's in a colour called Aspen Oak by preference flooring. It's I'm all about durability and low maintenance and that's exactly what the floor is. It's water resistant and scratch resistant. So the only thing we need to be mindful of is if, you know, knock on wood, something did flood in the kitchen later, I guess the floors would, would get ruined, um, but they're easy enough to sort of pull up and replace. Um, for all of our cabinetry in the black colour, we use Polytech. Now, Polytech, we have used on so many homes. It's a brand that we really know and trust. And we chose the black wood matte finish. And a question I get asked all the time is, oh, I love black kitchens, especially matte black kitchens, but is it hard to clean? And I have to say, yes, it is. And now that my girls are moving around, all I can see is little handprints, like their little artwork all over my cabinetry. Um, so it is fairly hard to keep clean. Um, I did have a white kitchen in our last home. That's way easier to keep clean than a black kitchen. Um, but what I find is, you know, a microfiber cloth with a bit of Windex can get it off. But if you can't stand seeing any marks or smears on your cabinetry, definitely stay away from any dark colours in a matte finish. So matte grey, matte black, anything like that, because it will do your head in. 
Um, and then on the island, we used white. So we used a polyurethane material in a colour called Vivid White and we chose a satin finish. So it's not gloss and it's not matte. It's got a, like just a, a tiny bit of a shine through it um, and that is super easy to keep clean, very durable and it's probably one of my favourite colours, which is the Vivid White. Um, it's not yellow, it's not blue, it's just a really nice white kitchen cabinetry colour. Then on the stone, uh, we use Tallowstone, which is another brand that we love and we use in all of our homes. Um, they released uh, Super White, which isn't natural. Um, and because I'm all about durability, it's engineered, um, so far more easier to maintain, less stress if you spill, you know, bolognese or a bit of butter chicken or red wine, it can, it can wipe off. Um, and that's what we use on our kitchen island, on the splashback, uh, the rear benches and in the breakfast bar. And then for all the other features, so um, our appliances were really important and we did choose to use Smeg and we chose to use the same brand of appliances for the majority of them. So we did it was a bit of an overkill, but this was my husband's decision because I'm not much of a baker, but we did a double Smeg 60 centimetre ovens. And what was really important was to have the pyrolytic cleaning function. Then we put above it a speed oven, which is also a microwave, which is also 60 centimetres wide. And on the other side, we did put in a steam oven. Now for the cost of it, I actually think back and said we could probably have done without it. It was more so to fill the space, um, but ideally I actually would have put an integrated coffee machine in. Um, but these things you, you learn as, as you go in and you, and you live in your home. And then we put in a Smeg 90 centimetre induction cooktop, which I absolutely love. I can't believe I'd never used induction before. Um, it takes a bit of getting used to, but I, I don't think I could ever go back to gas or electric other type of cooking again. Um, and then for our range hood, um, as you can see in some of our photos, it's it's hidden. And we, cho we chose the Schweigen silent range hood and it really doesn't make much sound at all so the ducting is actually like probably need to clarify with my husband but I feel like it's outside of the home the way that it was installed and which means that when you've got the range hood working it's not as loud as a turbo engine like you can experience with other range hoods so that was a real favorite appliance of mine and for our tapware, we used the Reese Mizu Drift uh, range, which we um, use throughout our home. And the sink is also a favourite. It's the Frankie Black Granite sink. It's scratch resistant. It's super easy to keep clean. Um, you just need a quick wipe down and it looks brand new again. Um, and so obviously the black to tie in with the rest of the kitchen. It's so nice to hear some honest feedback about using darker colors in your home because a lot of the time you know people skim over it but it's true you know if you're going to make a commitment to having black cabinetry and things like that there are cons that come with that the same way that there's cons of having a whole white house do you know what I mean I know for a fact we have a white splashback and you know we're wiping it every time we cook so it's it's all about weighing up your preferences with, you know, how much you're kind of willing to put up with, if that makes sense. Exactly right. And I think that's the, what you need to weigh up is, look, uh, elements of your kitchen design need to be about aesthetics because who wants to walk in a kitchen that isn't aesthetically pleasing? I don't think very many people would want to spend that much money and not enjoy looking at your kitchen. So 
with the aesthetics part, you know, you need to sometimes come to a compromise to say, look, some of these materials that I may use in my kitchen might not be the easiest of maintenance and durability. But what I think is overall, you need to choose the materials and finish that not only are aesthetically pleasing, but also work with your family. So I know that I've got you know, a really durable bench top and splashback and that doesn't cause me any grief at all. But I do know that my cabinetry being matte black with a lot of natural sunlight, um, which does affect it, I, need, I, know, I know that that's going to be our maintenance issue and I'm fine with that. And, and when people have asked me, I said, I'll, I'll choose the matte black again and again and again because I know that I've sort of balanced it with materials that don't need as much time and attention as the cabinetry does. Now, during the day, you have plenty of natural light coming into that area, but lighting was a big concern for you because you wanted to, A, make sure it was well lit, but also have the option to darken the space. Now, how did you settle on that? Yeah, so during the day, we don't put on any lights at all and we absolutely don't need to do anything during the day because we have a flood of natural light hit our kitchen so I've never put on the lights during the day but at night I wanted the option is you know we like to unwind after the kids go to bed and just have dinner in peace no tv no nothing on maybe, maybe it's a bit of music so what we did is we put in extra down lights around the kitchen in a cool white and at night time if you're preparing food and cooking it gives you enough light you can see what you're doing you can see the mess you've made um, and it gives enough light in the area. Um, but then once that's all done, uh, we chose the CAN um, surface-mounted down lights from Beacon Lighting in matte black. And it's because I wasn't a fan of pendants in our kitchen. I just didn't think it would work with the space. And these are very subtle but give enough detail to the kitchen. And they're fairly cheap. I think they're just over 100 bucks each. Um, so we got four of them above our kitchen island in a warm LED. And that way... When you're having dinner, you can just turn them on and it gives a really nice ambience to the room. It's a warmer light. Um, so it's not something that you can use when you're prepping or um, doing anything like that. It won't give you enough light, but it'll give you enough light at night to sort of sit down and enjoy dinner and create a nice ambience in the kitchen. Now, in terms of decor, you've kept it very simple, but before this kitchen was even in the design phase, that olive tree was going in, wasn't it? That's right. So there's a favourite local restaurant of ours that once we went there, it had beautiful olive trees inside. And I remember seeing it and saying, that's it. I'm going to have an olive tree in my house and my whole kitchen is going to be designed around it. So once we worked out the space and keeping in mind our kitchen is seven metres wide, I said to my husband, we need to cut it off here because I need space for my olive tree and he said well where are you going to get this olive tree what, what are we going to do what if it dies what if this and I said I don't care we, we're going to make it work and we did so that's it's still alive and it's September now and we got it in January so that's a good thing um, and we just put it into a really big Bunnings pot um, it gets lots of beautiful light during the day I water it I put a water meter in check it all the time but every sort of fortnight it does need to go outside um, and especially if it's going to be raining soon it's probably better so it can get, get a proper flush out through the pot um, so it's a bit of an effort but we do move it outside for a day or two probably every two to three weeks. So it's like having three kids, Veronica. Plus a dog and a cat and a needy husband, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Now, thank you so much for talking us through your kitchen. But what is the one piece of advice you'd give for someone who is about to design theirs? 
So I often actually get asked about my opinion about, you know, where things should be in your kitchen. And I always say the same thing is you need to think about how your family is going to use your kitchen. Like as an example, I'm a dishwasher person. I absolutely hate washing up. I run my dishwasher once to twice a day, every single day. Um, So for me, the dishwasher location and having your cutlery and dinnerware right opposite is, was really important because I'm like, you know, that's ease of, of packing out, um, unpacking a dishwasher and things like that. Um, But for other people, just think about how your family uses your kitchen. Are you washing up people? Are you dishwashing people? Are you entertainers? Um, Do you prefer to hide away all your mess or do you prefer always cooking and preparing your food in the island? Um, You know, if you're entertainers, you might want to move your kitchen sink to the side or away from the island so you can have that island as an entertaining space or as a breakfast bar kind of bench where you can enjoy a meal with the family. So I think that's the biggest piece of advice is don't look at images or what other people have think about is how how you'll actually utilize your kitchen as a family and in the lead up to designing your kitchen um who is a building or design professional that really inspires you Zephyr and Stone, those ladies can do no wrong in in my view and they're all about functionality and aesthetics and I sourced a lot of inspiration from them in the way that they design their kitchens, the materials, the sort of more minimalistic styling as well. So I definitely um, recommend anyone that's that's building or looking to build to, to definitely give them a follow because they have beautiful designs, especially in the kitchen space. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for being on the show and for talking us through your kitchen. It is absolutely one of my favourite spaces on Instagram. Thank you so much for sharing with us and I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.